Hey, let's give it up for the praise team. That's powerful. Amen. Well, so excited to be here with you guys. You have no idea how long I've been looking forward to this. Hey, if you did not get a sheet of paper, if you can just raise your hand, we're going to have some people pass it out real quick. But if anybody doesn't know, my name's Hunter, and I'm just so excited to be here to be able to share God's Word with you. Uh, before we get started, I got a couple of words for some people, if that's okay. Um, for you two, I don't know your names yet. I haven't got to meet you guys. But God told me, all I heard was restoration. And, and, and the word that I kept hearing, is, or I got it from Joel 2.25. And I don't know if you know it, but it says that he will restore the years the locusts have devoured. And I don't know, I don't know what your past is. I don't care. He doesn't care. And, and what we're talking about today, you're a new creation. God loves you. And there's something in you too. There's a fire in you too. There's some kind of revival. There's some kind of group I just see with you uh, leading and, and, and orchestrating. And God's going to use you too. Uh, where's, there's Mitch. Mitch, I got from you. God said that he's going to send specific men your way. Um, not only for you to be a disciple maker, but you're going to lead them to be a disciple. Not only are you going to lead them to be a disciple, but you're going to lead them to be disciple makers for another group of other specific men coming their way. Uh, and then, and then I, got for, I got for some other people, there's somebody, some people, I don't know if it's plural or singular, but there's some people that came in here, and they've been hearing some stuff that the world's been telling them. Some, somebody's telling you, uh, you're not worth it, or you're never going to get away from your past. You're never going to be able to step into the calling God's given you. You don't even have a calling. But I'm telling you tonight with the message we've got, you're going to be set free from that. And God's going to give you a new kind of understanding of that. Amen? All right. Well, we today are talking about heirs with Christ. It's one of my favorite topics to absolutely talk about. And not only are we talking about that, but since we're heirs with Christ, we're going to talk about how we're children of God. Amen? Last time I got to speak... Um, on a Wednesday night, I got to talk a little bit about what it's like to be a child of God. But now we get to go a little bit more in depth, and we're going to be in Romans chapter 8. Um, it's on this piece of paper, so you can turn to your Bible if you want, or you can just read it from there. But it's Romans 8. We're going to read verses 12 to 17 really quickly. It says, Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. Look at your neighbor say, I'm a child of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Let's read that one more time. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that every word of God is pure, and you are a shield to those who put their trust in you, Father. We thank you that your word is a lamp to our feet, a light to our path, and your word is forever settled in heaven. God, I thank you that you have anointed me for tonight, Father, to speak your word and for people to get a clear understanding, a rhema, God, of understanding what it is to be a child of you, Father. I, I, I declare that not a single person will go through those doors without knowing their identity in Jesus, Christ and knowing what their inheritance is father we thank you for this I call every person blessed I thank you that they've all been brought to a wealthy place in Jesus name we pray everybody said amen amen, amen. so we're gonna I got three big points that I want to talk to you guys about 
like I said, being a child of God is my favorite thing. So if I get a little off topic, I promise it's still on the topic of being a child of God. Amen? All right. So um, according to Blue Letter Bible, uh, I got a Greek word for what it means to be an heir, and I'm going to do my best to pronounce that. Um, and it says, Sikleronimos, which means to be a fellow heir, a joint heir, one who obtains something assigned to himself with others, a joint participant. One who is entitled to possess. From the Webster 1828 Dictionary, I got that it said, In Scripture, saints are called heirs of the promise, heirs of righteousness, heirs of salvation, by righteousness and moral excellence of the death of Christ, or of God's gracious promises. That's a lot, but that's a lot of good stuff at the same time. Amen. We're going to talk about the first point. We'll go back to that definition a little bit more in depth in a moment. But we're going to talk about human renewal. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, a lot of you I'm sure know it. It says that if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Amen? So the moment you said yes to Jesus, you became new. You became somebody that you have never been in your life. And what I was saying to somebody earlier, whoever the word's for, whatever life you had before this, it doesn't matter because you're a new creation. See, the thing is, God doesn't know the life you lived before you said yes to Jesus. He doesn't care about that life. He predestined you before the world, and that's all he's been waiting for you is to come back to his family. Amen? So we're going to start with talking about your heart type. When you said yes to Jesus, we, we invited... Better? Cool. When we said yes to Jesus, we, we, we invited him into our lives. We invited him, we invited his Holy Spirit to come into our lives, into our body. Our body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. Amen? So with that, we completely opened our heart for him to cleanse it, for him to purify our hearts. So I want to talk to you about your heart type, and this is something I think Christians don't really take the time to understand. Whenever we got a new heart, put away everything that was of sin. We've all heard the saying, I heard the saying when I was way younger that um, whenever you see sin, you imagine that everything on the inside of you turned black, right? Well, whenever you, you accepted Jesus as your Savior, it's all that got better. You don't even see black, and you see Jesus. You see love. So it's crazy because I was looking at medical stuff about a heart, and all the nurses, well, most of the nurses will probably be able to back me up on this. This is one of the coolest things I've ever read or stumbled upon. Whenever somebody, if somebody were to get a heart transplant, they actually get new desires, that the, 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 the new heart they got that the person's life before them had. So let's say that Jeff hates asparagus. Let's say he hates peas, anything that's green, right? Well, <laughs> so, hey, that's prophetic. Um, but but he, he, got a, he got a new heart, okay? And the person before him was some health nut that loved to work out and ate nothing but greens, was a vegetarian. That would make Jeff unhappy. It'd be his brother, right? So, so Jeff, he gets out of surgery, recovers, goes home. First thing he craves is asparagus. It's the oddest thing in all the world. He cannot figure out why he's craving asparagus. That is a very God thing for anybody. Amen. Um, but that's the same way it is for the gospel. When we said yes to Jesus, we got a new heart. When we said yes to Jesus, we got new desires. We got new cravings. If it says that old things have passed away, that means everything that we used to get cravings of of the world, it doesn't even make sense anymore. That's why whenever you said yes to Jesus, if you had these temptations or these desires, it all just went away. It didn't make any sense. You had this desire, this urge to read your Bible. 
By the way, I just want to say, with everything we've been talking about in this series, I just want to tell you, you get to read your Bible. You don't have to read your Bible. It's, I love the gospel because it's not a have-to thing. See, it's a get-to. I get to read my Bible. I get to pray for somebody. I get to use the gifts of the Spirit. I get to walk in a divine lifestyle. I get to walk in divine healing. It's something that's been given to us. And when you understand that, it's so much more fun. Amen? The next one I'm going to talk about is eyesight. It was not a coincidence that when Joel preached eye exam, the very next day I went to go have an eye exam. So when I went there, the doctor said, you don't have to, but we would prefer you to wear glasses. I said, okay, why not? I got contacts and glasses. That day, I put on these contacts, and I saw every detail. Blew me away. I've never been so in love with vision. You don't understand until you have glasses or if you've ever had 20-20 vision. Well, good for you. Amen. All right. But, uh, but, but it was so crazy because, you know, Joel talked about eye exam. That's where we see value in every single person. It doesn't matter if they're born again or if they're not. We see value. We see that God loves them. We see that he has a plan for them. We see that they are going to be prosperous and they're coming into the kingdom. Amen. So whenever you see that, you see full, full detail. But, but I want to take it a little bit further. And I want to ask you, how do you see the gospel in your life? I want to ask you how you see the value of the gospel in your life. I want to ask you how you see the value of others receiving miracles in your life. How you see the value of you receiving miracles in your life. See, there's a, there's a difference. But see, whenever I got these glasses, I could see everything. I could see the time of how much longer I get to talk until you get to go away and you don't have to listen to me talk anymore. You know, I get to see people in the very back that before this, it'd just be a blur. I, I wouldn't know who it was, you know. But it's just so much more. So whenever we, whenever we are trying to see the value of the gospel in our lives, that means that whenever somebody has a miracle that hasn't been born again as long as you have, and they haven't taken the walk that you have, and that they get some kind of financial blessing, and you've been calling it in, and it didn't happen, you don't get upset or jealous. You say, okay, Lord, thank you so much. I, pl- I praise you. I thank you for it. I'm next in line. Right? You don't, you, don't, you don't get upset because somebody got the dream house that you wanted, but you praise God because they got blessed because they're, they're with you. They're in the same family. They're in the same body. Because another idea, if, if your body, let's just step away for a second. If your body, if you were to break your leg, you can't use your whole body. Right? So why would we want somebody else not to be blessed that's in the same body? Come on. So we've got to see the value of the gospel in every way. We've got to value every miracle that comes our way. God healed your headache. That's just as good as if he healed somebody from cancer. It's a miracle. The last one I want to talk to you about, this is something that Christians stumble with a lot. It's parasites. Sounds gross. Nobody wants to deal with that. Derek did an amazing job on Sunday, didn't he? He talked about the bait of Satan. He talked about how he just throws bait at you, and he'll continue, and he'll continue. Because Satan comes in seasons. It talks about it in Luke. And he's preparing us. He's letting us know. He's bringing the light things that happens to us, not every day, but it happens to people. And I want to use the examples that he used through this example, parasites, in case you don't know, it's an organism that lives in or on another organism. It's its host and benefits by deriving nutrients at the host's expense. Parasites can start out small, but through time, they grow in your body. And the more you feed them and do not grow through procedures to remove them. Parasites are known to steal your needed bodily nutrients and ultimately they can kill you. I know that's not speaking the gospel. Let's just look at it at a medical term real quick. All right. So. 
Derek talked all about offense. Talked all about unforgiveness, all about bitterness. So I'm going to use that as an example. Let's say that Pastor Jeff, you look up to him, you admire him, okay? And let's say that you asked, you called him out, and you, or you were trying to meet with him, and he just kept rescheduling, rescheduling, rescheduling. Finally, you get offended. Well, then you get offended, and you don't let it go. So that just started one little small parasite in you. Whenever, if, if you eat something that's undercooked, you can get a small parasite in you. I'm not speaking that over you, I promise. But, but it starts something. And if you don't let go of that offense, you keep feeding it. And you keep feeding it. The next thing you know, you become unforgiving. You say, I don't even want to, I, I can't even look at him. And by the way, let me just say, if you hear somebody's name, if you hear somebody talk, or if you hear something good that they did and you get upset about it, that may be some offense. Okay? And that's something that we can let go today. Amen? I'm not being mean. I'm just telling you the truth. Amen? But that starts, that, that, that unforgiveness gets bigger. You just keep feeding it. It keeps getting in you. And it's unhealthy. Next thing you know, that unforgiveness turns into bitterness. And bitterness is cold, man. It's cold. It hardens your heart. Next thing you know, that unforgiveness turns into bitterness. And that bitterness turns into hatred. That hatred comes with anger. That anger comes with gossip. I mean, it just keeps going. And next thing you know, that parasite is bigger than any organ in your body. It can kill you spiritually. So you got to watch out. But, but, but it all starts with your heart. And it starts with how you see things. Did you know that there's Christians that, do, that, that, that they get offended with God because they didn't receive the miracle somebody else did? We've got to watch that. We've got to celebrate stuff, man. Amen? Are you with me? Second point, air it out there. Had to make a pun for Jeff. Uh, we're going to go to Galatians 3, 26 to 29. And we're going to talk about airship. Airship's amazing. It's just the privileges of an heir. And it's a right to an inheritance. Did you know that God gave you an inheritance? He gave you, he gave you some blessings. And we're going to talk about them there. Just, just imagining what, what he's given you. So I'm going to go read the definition of an heir from the Webster version real quick. And then we're going to go down to Galatians. It says, in scripture, saints are called heirs of the promise, heirs of righteousness, heirs of salvation, by righteousness and moral excellence of the death of Christ or of God's gracious promises. So we're going to read this real quick. It says, for you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you were baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. Amen to that. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. There is neither male nor female. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So I don't know if you caught it. But we were just told three promise or three what we're an heir to of three different things. We've been called an heir to righteousness, an heir to salvation, and an heir to the promises, which ultimately it goes into so many more things if you talk about the promises. So we're going to talk about the first one. I'm an heir of righteousness because of my faith in Christ and the sonship that has been identified over me. If we go back to really quickly to 26 and 28 of those verses, it says, For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Then we can go to verse 28. We can skip all the other stuff. It says, For you, have all, for you are all one in Christ. It's our sonship. It's who we are. It's our righteousness. We're right standing with God. We can't be seated with Christ in heavenly places if we're not in righteousness. We don't have sonship. Amen? The next one. I'm an heir of salvation 
because I know that Jesus is my Lord, and whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. I put to death my old life, and I put on my new man. I put on the character of Jesus. Verse 27, it says, For as many of you were baptized into Christ, put on Christ. If we said yes to Jesus, we got to look like Jesus. You know, I've heard it from many, many different people that, that, that if, if, if you squeeze an orange, what's going to come out? Not a pear, right? That wouldn't make any sense. So if we squeezed out a Christian, what would come out? But the majority of the time, what doesn't come out? We got to check our heart. Amen? You with me? Last one, I'm an heir to the promises of God all the way back to the ancestry of Abraham. The very first promise that was given to Abraham. That's our promise too. Any promise that the Old Testament has been for, for anybody, it's for us. Anything that the New Testament has been a promise for, it's for us. So for the disciples, when Jesus said that you're going to lay hands on the sick and they're going to recover, that's for you too. When Jesus said that you're going to receive the Holy Spirit, that's for you too. When Jesus said you're going to receive the Holy Spirit, that's for you too. And it's not just for you hearing the Holy Spirit. It's for the Holy Spirit working through you. I'm messing some people's theology up, Jeff. Amen. But, so I got a new job uh, two weeks ago, a week and a half ago. And at this new job, I figured out a lot. I work for UPS now. And I figured out a lot is about UPS more than a package and a big brown truck coming to your house. Um, I learned that there's a lot more access you get whenever you work in a job, yeah. right? Uh, UPS, I didn't know what was inside of it, except I saw two trailers that are sticking outwardly. It says UPS on it. When you walk in, it's a brand new ball game, yeah. right? Amen. So when I walked in, I saw that I had access and authority to certain things that not everybody did. <coughs> and everybody else that thought what I thought about UPS now thinks what they think about UPS, and I think something completely different. Right. It's the same with our Christian walk. When people see Christians, they may have a bad taste in their mouth. They may say, well, they're hypocrites. They only go to church. They're bad tippers. My mom liked that one. She's a manager, if you didn't know. Sundays are the worst days. Did you know that? Worst days. They can't stand Christians on Sundays. Why? If we're learning stuff at church, we should go be church. Come on, man. So whenever, whenever you work in your job, you see an authority and an access that not everybody sees, right? right? So that's why when we're Christians, we should walk with that authority and that access that we've been given. So this next part that we're going to talk about is going to show you exactly how we do it. We're going to talk about identity change. But before that, I'm gonna, our last point is going to be, our title is Hold the Line. And this one's where I'm going to stick at for a while. Hold the Line. If you guys ever studied history, you're going to, I'm going to take you back to whenever people used to fight in older wars. You know, uh, it never made any sense at this time. American Revolution, Civil War, people just stood in front of each other. Till this day, it doesn't make any sense to me. So people, you would have, let's say, Army Blue and Army Red. They would stand face-to-face -face with one, one another at a distance. They'd have muskets and a cool bayonet on it. Any, any boy that's in eighth grade and hearing about this stuff is in love with these stories. Um, and what they would do, they would load their gun they would stand in front of each other. The captain would say, ready, aim, fire. Team Blue would shoot. People would just stand there and hope and pray that it wouldn't hit them. They would reload. Team Red, ready, aim, fire. They'd shoot. And they'd keep going back and forth. And in the lines that they had behind them, if somebody got shot in front of them, they'd move up. 
Next thing you know, it keeps going on endlessly until one line breaks. When that line breaks, the team that has more morale goes after him with those bayonets. And I don't have to go into more detail what happens there. But whoever doesn't hold the line first, you see stumble the most, right? In our Christian walk, there's a lot of times where we don't see the church hold their line. The church doesn't know how to hold their line. They don't, they don't see their authority. They don't see what they've been given. They, they don't see these promises that we're talking about. So I'm going to spend some time, because I feel like, and the Holy Spirit told me, that the biggest thing that Christians in the church struggles with is knowing their identity. It's knowing how to walk victoriously, and it's knowing how to stand in the promises. We don't understand it. Not all of us. So we're going to spend some time in this, and I'm so excited. I don't, we're we're going to pray a little bit because it's going to be fun. Amen? So we're going to talk about identity change. Before our salvation, we were all walking in sin. Romans 6, 3 through 4, it shows us. It says, Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death. That just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should also walk in the newness of life. We had to, we had to die. Before we, before we started following Jesus, we put to death our old life. That's why it says old things have passed away. And a lot of us, we don't want to let everything die. We can't let go of some things. And that's why we can't hold our line. So, see, the thing is, if we, if we became new with Jesus, if, if you bury a dead dog, you can't keep half of the dog because it can't stay alive. It all goes to death. You can't pick it back up. I mean, you can, but you're just carrying dead weight around. There's a lot of Christians that are carrying their dead body around. Yeah. It's not doing much. It smells. It looks bad. Doesn't look good. We've got to let that stuff go. Yeah. I promise you, I, I'm a living testimony it, it, it was hard for me to let some stuff go when I said yes to Jesus. But the moment I did it, I've never felt more free. Amen. Does that mean Christians aren't going to have anything come their way and it's going to be just easy the whole way? No, not at all. But Paul said to, to live as Christ and to die as gain. He said we've got to die to some things. He, he, Paul talks about so much in his epistles how we need to die to our flesh daily. All the time. But Paul had to do it too. That's where he learned it. I want to, uh, I gave you another sheet. It's called Confessions of a Believer. And I'm going to read that in a moment. And when I, uh, last year in, around April, so almost a year, I just got out of Bible school and I was about to go back in the summertime to, to work the camps. And I was sitting in my room one day and I was reading. And I just said, God, I need to know what it means to be a son. I need to understand what it truly means to be your son because I don't get it. After all that Bible school training, I still didn't get it. I mean, I, I knew how to pray. I knew what the Word said, but I didn't get it. So I sat there and I prayed, and I kid you not, the Holy Spirit just put in me, in my heart, just Scripture after Scripture after Scripture. And I, 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 couldn't, I just had to start typing because I can't write that fast, so I just had to type up what I could. And, and, and after three and a half hours, I wrote over a hundred confessions of who I am in Him. And... The coolest part of that, it was just for me at first. And when I started meeting with people, talking with people, they started telling me, Hunter, I don't know who I am. 
Hunter, I'm lost here. Hunter, I'm always getting sick. Just speaking death over themselves. Did you know what you confess you possess? Anything you say. I've driven people crazy because they would speak death. They would speak death, and I'd just say, that's not the gospel. People at Bible school, I'm sick. No, you're not. But I, I, they said I had the flu. The doctor that doesn't believe in Jesus did. What do you think, you know? It's all spiritual. Out of the abundance of the heart, your mouth speaks. What are we feeling in our hearts? Next thing I know, I meet with all these people. They start telling me that anything that's not a good confession. So I start emailing this sheet that I made up. Next thing I know, there's over 100 people that have received this sheet. It's not what I wanted, and it's not me bragging on something that I typed up. It's the fact of me showing you that the word is alive, and the word is what's going to set people free. I have, uh, this, this thing has went all over. It's went to Botswana. It's been in Nigeria. We have people that are uh, in Asian countries that I'm not really sure of that are reading it. Um, we got people all over Louisiana, Mississippi, Arkansas. Texas, they're, they're reading it. All I did was just show them, man, look, God loves you. That's what he says about you. But it showed me there's so many believers that don't know who they are. So many people. I've asked people, you know, well, well what does the Bible say about this? They don't know. Am I, am I here to beat people up and say that if you don't know the Bible? No, not at all. But I'm telling you, the Bible's alive and it answers every question you've got. It sets you free. When you read the word for yourself, it becomes so much more real. So I printed this out for you guys. I cut it in half of all the confessions that I have because I want to save Jeff money for paper. Um, but I'm going to read it. I'm going to read it quickly, and then we can talk about it. It says, I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above only and never beneath. I'm blessed coming in and blessed going out. Everything my hand touches gets better. I'm abundantly filled with God's word today. I'm completely and thoroughly equipped with the word for every good work. I'm delivered from the kingdom of darkness and have been conveyed into the kingdom of the son of his love. I'm God's child, born again of the incorruptible word of God. I'm raised up with Christ and seated in heavenly places. I'm God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I'm flourishing in God's courts. I'm healed by his stripes. I'm fearless. I'm loved with an everlasting love. And I'm chosen. I'm accepted in the beloved. I'm forgiven of all my sins and cleansed from all unrighteousness. I am a doer of the word. I'm redeemed from the curse of the law. I'm an intercessor. I'm a new creation. I'm an ambassador of God. I am merciful. I am the righteousness of God. I am the salt of the earth, the light of the world, a city that is set on a hill which cannot be hidden. I am free from condemnation, more than a conqueror. I am abiding in his presence. I am a friend of Jesus. I am a child of the light. I am guided by the Holy Spirit. I am the apple of my Father's eye. I have access to the Father. I have been anointed with the oil of gladness. I have been brought to a wealthy place. I have been restored. I have been saved by grace. I have favor with God and man. I have fruit that remains, obtained an inheritance, overcome the world, power to cast out demons, and power to lay hands on the sick and expect them to recover. I have the anointing abiding in me. I have the helper who dwells within me. I have the mind of Christ. I have received the spirit of adoption. I have the peace of God which surpasses all my understanding. I have bold faith today. I know all things because I have an anointing from the Holy One. 
I know my steps are ordered by God. I live out a lifestyle that can only operate victoriously. I walk in integrity. I walk in perfect love. I walk in prosperity. I walk in protection. I will be hospitable to all people and serve with a joyful heart. I will do all things unto the Lord wholeheartedly. I will watch, stand fast in the faith, be brave and be strong. I will let all that I do be done with love. I will rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, and I will trust in the Lord with all my heart and lean not on my own understanding. That's who he says you are. That's who you are. It's not who I say you are. It's what God says you are. Did you know every single time I pray for somebody and they come up to me and they say, well, I got this going on. I'm struggling with this and this is who I am and this is what I do and this is what I've done and whatever. And every time, kid you not, I look at him and I just smile and I can't help it, you know? And I just tell him, hey, did you know God loves you? It's the first thing. It's the first thing. It's not cliche. It's not something I say just to, just to break the ice. Because whenever you tell somebody God loves them, that's what opens the door of them opening up their heart. Because when they know that somebody loves them, they may have not known all day that somebody loved them. They may have been dealing with their boss that's been cussing at them all day. They may, have, they may have been going through a financial crisis. They may have been spending all their money on some kind of healing and it never happened. They may be the most hopeless person. That's why I love church. Church isn't for the spiritually elite. It's for a hospital for the brokenhearted. So when I, when I pray for people... I always look at him, and I just, I just get this big smile. And I just say, look, God loves you so much. And then, I, and then I speak the word in him. And I'm sure at this time they're like, okay, look, I did all the talking. I just want you to pray, and I want to go back to my seat. I'm like, no, 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 I got you now, you know. My, 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 I love it because every time, every time I just sit there, and I, I'm smiling, I'm nodding my head, and I'm going, oh, man, they're going to hear me talk for a little bit. That's what it's supposed to be. James says we're supposed to confess our sins together, pray together. But I don't want to hear about your problems more than what the Word says about those problems. I don't want to hear about your bondage when I know the one that sets you free. I don't want to know about your sickness when I know the one that heals you. Are you hearing me? So I love it. It's my favorite thing. The Word, I, I, I'm so in love with the Word, and, and I drive people crazy with it. There, I, went to, I went to Mexico a year and a half ago. Kind of, and uh, I don't really know when it was. Uh, and, and, and I'll be honest, I didn't want to go. I didn't want to go, but I was told, look, if you don't go, they can't go because of the numbers, and there's only one other guy. I said, okay, look, I'll go. Uh, it, it's, it's to preach the gospel, you know. I just didn't want to go to Mexico, I'm not going to lie. Nothing against Mexico, I just didn't want to go to Mexico. So I went, and man, I was, I was so zealous. I just got out of a discipleship program, a Bible school. I knew the word for myself. I knew how to pray for people. I had laid hands on people and watched them get healed. I was ready, you know. And, 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 I'm, and we're going, and uh, I'm trying not to say any names. And we run out of gas. The person that was with us said, oh, we'll make it. And we had a quarter tank, and we had two and a half hours. I just kept my mouth shut. And I, listened, I listened to Judah Smith and prayed. It's all right. I said, I got prayer language. It'll be okay. Um, so, uh. 
So, so we run out of gas, and everybody's mad, and I'm just, I'm quoting the word. You know, I'm talking about Jesus. We get to Mexico. They're tired. I'm talking about Jesus. Next day, we got stuff that's bumps and bruises. I'm still talking about Jesus. And, and, and it's nothing that I'm trying to do. It's just something that's in me. And the next thing you know, that's all I did the whole time I was there was talk about Jesus. It wasn't a bad trip. I know I gave you a bunch of negative. It was great. People got saved. It was, it, was, it was great. We loved on kids at a children's home. Amen to that. Uh, but the, they came, we came back, and I was in the rage room. I, w- I was a leader still at the time. And they came and shared testimonies on a Wednesday night. And the only other guy got up there, and he said, Man, the thing that blew me off the most was Hunter. Uh, there was this guy named Hunter. And he came with us on this mission trip, knew nothing about him. And all he did was keep talking about Jesus. Jesus is, Jesus is that. And I thought he was faking it. Day one goes by, so I still think he's faking it. We're on day three, and he's still talking about Jesus. And I finally realized that this guy, this is just his life. That's what it should be for all of us. We should be so in, you know, when you're passionate about something, that's all you talk about. When football season here, we talk all about fantasy football, right? We talk when, whenever summer's coming up, all the guys get in the gym because they want to get that something. And uh, <laughs> I don't, you know, see results or not, but that's all they talk about is going to the gym, right? I'm one of them. So, but it's, it's, it's all about the word, man. You got to get passionate. You got to wake up and say, oh, I get to read today. Not I have to read today. You don't say, you don't, you don't say I got to read my chapter. No, 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 no. You say I get to read until I got to go do something else. And that shouldn't sound bored, boring to you. That should sound fun. And I love the word. That's what puts a smile on my face, you know. There's so many people at, at, at my job now, and uh, Bruce can't repeat this, but I'm learning they need Jesus, you know. There's some people, they, they need Jesus, and I'm not, and, and just learning who they are, you know, I'm just, I'm just loving them. There's one guy today, he said, man, are you a minister? I said, of course, everywhere I go. Yeah. He goes, yeah. he goes, I could tell there's something different. <laughs> and he, he, this guy's funny. He cracks me, just the way he's tall, he cracks me up, man. He, but uh, he, he's a big old strong guy. He's intimidating, man. If, if, <laughs> if, you don't, if you don't have Jesus, he's intimidating. But, uh, <laughs> but, but he's just, it's amazing. When you carry the gospel, people want it. That's why the fruits of the Spirit are so important. I think we overlook it a lot. Did you know that if you were full of love, that's why depressed people come to you? That's why broken-hearted people come to you? Joy, when you have joy, depressed people come to you. You know? When you, when you have peace, that's why the worry people come to you. You know, I've always heard, oh, he's got that hat. Everybody wants to come talk. He's got the hat because it's not a hat. It's, a, it's fruit. It's fruit. When somebody struggles with temptations, they're going to go to someone with self-control without knowing it. Right. It's not a conscience thing. It's a spirit thing. Yeah. It's spiritual. <laughs> so we're going to talk about standing in the promises. I spent 20 minutes on that. <laughs> we got to recognize the promises God's given us. Yeah. You know, we understood our identity. We understand who we are in Christ. He's also given us promises. Amen. The first one I want to talk to you about, I'm not going to hit all of them a bunch, but the first one I want to talk to you about is, do you know you were promised persecution? I was listening to a Todd White message. I don't know if all you know who that is. One of the best people. He just, he's authentic, man. He knows Jesus. And, and, and it, 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 it humbles my heart every time. I just want to cry. I just want to sit there and cry. And uh, I had to stop driving. 
because I was listening to a podcast, and he, I, I hear, he, he says a lot of the same things, so you get it, you know, and he's so full of the word, but he, he, this is the only time I've heard this, and I've listened to a lot of his messages. He said, I want to ask you, congregation, how many times, when's the last time you were persecuted? Quiet. Crickets. And I, I literally pulled over and stopped because he said, if you don't remember the last time you were persecuted, you're not living as a Christian. And I sat down, I just went, that's me. That was a month and a half ago. I couldn't remember the last time. This, 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 this last, or in, I guess the last three months, I've really, I've, I've talked with Jeff, I've talked with Mitch, and I've just been saying, man, I'm trying to figure out how to be Jesus everywhere I go. You know? Trying to figure out how to do it. And it's getting fun. Yeah, it's getting like, I, I got some stories, it's gotten fun. <laughs> but that's a promise we've been given. When someone says, get out of my face, I don't want to hear Jesus, that's a good thing, man. That means you're stirring up their spirit. That means there's something going on. And it's not, it's, not their, it's not them. You need to know that. It's not them who, who's, who's telling you to get away. It's not them who's getting hostile. That's another sermon, though. Next one, Holy Spirit. I already covered that one. We've been given the Holy Spirit, given the, uh, the, power, the gifts of the Spirit. We've been given spiritual giftings. We've been given the leading of the Holy Spirit. He's our helper. It says, the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. He will teach you all things and give, bring to your remembrance all things that I've said to you. He is our helper. He's our comforter. He's the Spirit of Christ, Spirit of truth. He's the advocate. I think I covered it. Amen. Uh, healing. That's something, that's something that's supposed to be dished out and taken in. Healing something that's everywhere. You know, I've, I've gotten this new little hobby. When I see someone with the cast, I get excited. I'm like, yeah. okay, I got it. But, but, but it's something that, I'm not going to lie, it's something I've had to build myself up to. But I've had the, Joel's sermon about fear, man, that, that hit me, and it was good. That next, that, that, that time after that sermon, I went to work out. I don't know why I got a desire to work out. I don't get a desire to work out. Amen. I don't. I try. I don't. And Amen, yeah. Uh, but I went. I skipped second service. I said, man, what am I doing, you know? I get there, and I see a guy. Well, well let me backtrack and say, I was on my way, and I said, I said, Lord, I'm going, but I believe this is a, this is a divine appointment. And I said, from here on out, I'm going. No matter what, I will stand in faith. I will trust that you are going to lead me through every single ministry moment. I get there. I get done running. I'm, I'm tired. I, I did 20 minutes. I'm like, okay, I'm ready to go, you know. And uh, I look over, and there's a guy I graduated school with. His name's Luis. And uh, I saw him, and, and I just got this compassion. And he starts running on the treadmill. I said, okay, Lord, I know it. I know it. This cat runs for 30 minutes. I'm sitting here, like, scared and waiting for him to get off the treadmill. 30 minutes. I, I had to do a workout. Actually, I had to work out. Oh, so I get done working out, and but not only that, well, finally I look up, he's gone. So I thought, no, Lord, he's not, he, he didn't leave, I've been paying attention. He was in the bathroom for, I don't know how long, I thought heaven was going to come back first, so so finally he's there, but he, he walks up to a friend, I said, oh, two of them, come on, man, what are you doing, you know, and, uh, and uh, but I go up there, and we just talk, we just talk and talk, and what are you doing? Oh, I'm getting married. Oh, cool. I'm not getting married. He is. Uh, <laughs> but uh, we talk, and I just I said, hey, man, look, I just want to tell you God loves you. Can I pray for you? Yeah, yeah bro, that would be cool. You know, he's just all excited. And uh, his friend, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, he said, well, 
well, in two weeks, we're going to Florida for a honeymoon, and I'm afraid of heights. I said, we just prayed about that today. Get ready. You know, it's just so much. And every, last time I saw him, he's like, I'm not even scared, man. And, but, but I just got to love on him. After that, went to Chicken Express, and uh, the Lord just put it. Yeah, I just got tea, I promise. And it was unsweet. It was unsweet. So we're good. Yeah, who drinks unsweet tea? I promise. It was unsweet tea. Okay. So, but we get there, and, and, and the Holy Spirit put on my heart. Give that woman your money, you know? And I said, okay. And it's just one of those women. She's walking through the rain, and she comes to hand me my gallon tea. So we're trying to get it out quick. I said, okay, here, give her my card. But she came back. I just said, look, I know you're busy. I'm not going to keep you long. I said, thank you for working Sundays when nobody wants to. I said, God loves you so much. I want to bless you. That's all I got with me right now, but have a great day. And she's just like, she didn't know what to do. She froze. But that's what it should be. We should bless every person, not just on Sundays, but we should demonstrate that we can bless people on Sundays. Amen? Amen. All right, I'm, I need to get ahead. Okay. Uh, gifts of the Spirit, that's what's been promised to us. That's nine gifts. Let's see, we got word of knowledge, word of, uh, gift of knowledge, gift of knowledge, gift of wisdom, um, gift of discerning of spirits, interpretation of tongues, speaking of tongues. We got healing, faith, miracles, and prophecy. And those are the gifts that we've been given, man, and we should operate in all of them. And, and, and not just one person, and nine people should get one gift each. We can all operate in those gifts. It's how much do you want to tap in. Amen? All right. And then we got protection. We've been promised protection. If you don't know anything about protection, read Psalm 91. That'll make you feel secure. Amen? And then we got inheritance, and that's what we've been talking about. We're heirs with Christ. We're heirs of God. My last one, this is my favorite thing to talk about other than your identity. It's the victorious life. Yeah. Do you know we, would, we never have to be defeated again? Amen. We never go through defeat again. God is the only being that has never been defeated. Right. Never in his whole reign, never in his whole being has he ever been defeated. And because of Jesus who died on the cross, rose again three days later, resurrected. He allowed us to be accepted through him. He, he gave us access by one spirit to the Father. And he seated us in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. He gave us the ability to never be defeated again. It says in 1 Corinthians 15, 57, 58, it says, But thanks be to God, who always leads us in victory through our, through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Amen. We got victory. It says in 2 Corinthians 2.14, Now thanks be to God, who always leads us in triumph in Christ Jesus and diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. We've been given victory. We've been given triumphant entry victory, man. See, I'm going to end on this, uh, and then we're going to pray. I've been hearing a lot all my life how um, people are told what to do by younger people. And I don't mean this in a, uh, I'm, I'm 21 and you're three. You know, that was a horrible example. But, um, you know, uh, I'm not, I don't mean it in that way, but I've heard so many stories about eight-year-olds or seven-year-old brothers who convinced their 25-year-old brother to go do something. They boss him around. Or I've heard, I mean, we, I'm, not, I'm not bashing on any parents, but we have parents that are led by their children what to do. And I, wanna, I just want to, I, I put this on Facebook, and I was so fired up, man. Um, 
We allow something so little, somebody so little with no power, no authority to lead us around and tell us what to do. So why as Christians are we allowing such a powerless, defeated, eternally defeated devil tell us what to do? Whenever we give in to temptation, whenever we allow him to tell us who we aren't, but we believe who he says we aren't, we're letting them win. We're giving authority to something that doesn't have authority. We're giving power to something that no longer has power. We've got to understand that we've been given a victory. A victory that we can stand in. A, a victory where we can hold steadfast to our confessions. Because if we hold on to these words, we can't think opposite of what the word says. Because then we're saying that God's a liar. But Hebrews 6.18 says it's impossible for him to lie. Come on. Look. I know a lot of you, I know a lot of you already know a lot of this stuff. But there are, and I'm, I'm, I'm not doubting this, I know it. There are people in here that don't know their authority. They don't know their identity. They don't know their sonship. And I want to pray with you guys. Uh, can I have Jeff, Cole, can you come? Mitch, can you come? We're going to spice some things up. Mitch can stay down here. But... We want to take this time to pray for you guys. Bonnie, can you come? And if you don't know your authority, if you don't know your identity, if you don't know your sonship, we want to pray for you. And I want you to know God loves you. I'm going to tell you that if you come up here. Because he does. But it's time for you to stand up and realize who you are in Christ. It's time for you to see what he says about you is real. And, and all I want to pray is, well, unless you need something else, but I want to pray that... He just rocks your socks today. That's the best way I can explain it, you know? Because he loves you. And Jesus wants to show you that there is a relationship. He wants to get you to that point where you get to. You wake up and you say, oh, I get to do something for him today. Will you stand with me?